And then as I was driving back, this was like two in the morning at this point. Um, I hit the median, I fell asleep at the wheel, hit the median guardrail and like my Jeep flew, I don't know, 75 feet and like nosedived. And luckily someone saw it and they phoned, they called it in and I was found at the scene without a pulse. Welcome to the Recovery Edge cast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. Today we're sitting with Mike R., who I met at the Happy Trudgers group in Denver. Uh, Mike is about my age, I believe, though he is far wiser. And uh, he's got about a year more than I do of sober time. Mike, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Good. Um, why don't you give us your sober date and your home group? Okay. Uh, well, I'm Mike and I'm an alcoholic. And my sober date is January 1st of 2017. So, uh, four years ago today. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and my home group is happy treasures. Uh, and that's where I met you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm right behind you by about a year, I think. I know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah a year and a day <laughs> man how does it feel how does it feel uh, today you gonna ski uh you know it, it feels good i i skied yesterday morning i woke up at four ten and drove to winter park and i uh did two laps on my own power uh, about 3500 feet of elevation gain and i really enjoy going early when no one's there and uh, getting that exercise and uh, skiing a few laps, and then I leave and get back by, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Um, it's just nice to be, you know, out in the mountains when it's peaceful and serene before the madness of the crowd show up. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to ski today. You know, I might go tomorrow. We'll see. But it, it, it'll just be these early morning missions until uh, my wife and I were heading to Steamboat on January 10th uh, through the 15th. And we've been doing, you know, we're doing like longer multi-day trips uh, this year, which is fun. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Did you grow up out here? Uh, no. So I was born in Dayton, Ohio, and, uh, I moved to Boulder when I was in, uh, summer before third grade. And then, uh, I li- I moved to a town called Mequon, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee, um, the summer before fifth grade. And then I moved back to Ohio where I was born for seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And then I moved to Chicago, um, northern suburb called Lake Forest, uh, for my sophomore through senior year in high school. And uh, my parents still live um, there. And uh, I went to CU Boulder. So I've been in Colorado since 99. So 20, you know, a little over 20 years um, or 21 years. And, uh, so yeah, I moved around a lot, um, but kind of knew I wanted to end up in Colorado uh, from the time I lived here when I was 
a kid. All right, cool. So what do you got going on these days? Are you working? Yes. So um, I am working. I'm fortunate that, uh, you know, I work in the oil and gas industry, which has been through a pretty rough ride over the last, oh, since like 2014. And, um, but I've been fortunate to be able to, you know, hold a job and work at some pretty good companies. Um, you know, since that, since the downturn even, and, uh, um, COVID hit, uh, and started working from home, um, you know, mid-March and, uh, had to adjust to that, but I've been going in the office like three days a week, um, since late May and, uh, you know, figure out how to work out at home and acquire as much, you know, as many kettlebells and weights that I could and have a pretty good system going now. And, uh, you know, I try to make it to Trudgers when I'm downtown for my three days a week, um, at work. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I definitely, do not attend as many meetings as I used to. And I think, you know, a lot of us are like that. Uh, but I have been able to use the tools of the program and, uh, I enjoy my life a hell of a lot more than I did, uh, back in, uh, you know, those days of drinking and doing drugs all the time and not being able to stop. So why don't you tell us what it was like before what happened and what it's like today? And you can start as early as you want. Okay. Uh, well, I'll say it again. My name is Mike and I'm an alcoholic and, uh, I appreciate, uh, having this opportunity to be on this podcast with you. Um, and, uh, so let's see when I, uh, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. So I will try not to spend too much time in the early years. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was, when I was 14, I saw the movie, uh, dazed and confused. And, uh, I had never, you know, drank or used drugs. And, uh, I saw that movie and I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, and that was right before I went into my freshman year in, uh, high school. So on my 15th birthday, I got some money for my birthday and, uh, I talked to this, owner kid that I knew and I bought some pot and uh you know once I once I smoked pot I realized that like that's kind of what I wanted to do and I I played soccer um and uh you know I had a pretty good group of friends but uh wanted to start hanging out with the guys who partied more and uh my, the first time getting drunk was uh spring break of freshman year down in Florida. Um, you know, I think I drank like three ice houses, you know, I could talk to people. Um, I, people thought I was funny, or at least I thought people thought I was funny. And I remember waking up the next morning and I was like still buzzed and I was just like, wow, this is great. <laughs> um, and, uh, so then my, uh, my family, we moved to, uh, Chicago, um, summer before 
sophomore year and I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to play soccer anymore. And I want to like hang out with the kids who party like the, you know, the stoners, the druggies essentially. And uh, luckily my dad said, you know, you're going to regret it if you stop playing soccer. And uh, so I stuck with it, but I still, um, you know, sort of developed my friendships around the people who partied a lot. And, um, you know, I would drink uh, every weekend um, and I would smoke weed pretty much before school, during lunch, after school, all while trying to hide it, you know, from my parents, obviously, and uh, started to get in trouble like pretty quickly after we moved to Chicago. Like I had um, throughout high school, I had uh, four minor possession arrests. And, uh, the first one, I actually should have gotten a DUI, but I was able to go to teen court and, uh, they let me off with like, you know, community service and just a minor possession charge. Um, but yeah, throughout, throughout high school, it was, uh, you know, I, I pretty much was like a daily pot smoker and I drank every weekend, um, and, you know, would drink as much as possible. I mean, drinking a 12-pack of Miller Lite or something was pretty normal. And it was normal among my friends, too. So I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, I was just, you know, a high school ch- kid trying to have fun. Um, then I went to CU Boulder and uh, quickly acquired the name Drunk Mike. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it was a lot of fun to not have, you know, adult supervision. Um, but I, you know, I, looking back, I definitely got in trouble there too. I remember on my birthday in the dorms, we had an around the world party, um, which was like a different kind of liquor in each dorm room. And you went around and, everyone was getting hammered, but I was definitely like the worst and, uh, ended up, you know, getting enough to demerits or whatever, where they were like, you're going to have to get kicked out of the dorm. So I moved in with, uh, my friend who had gotten an apartment, um, never officially got kicked out, but, uh, you know, only made, only lasted through the dorms at CU for like the first semester essentially. And, um, and, you know, it, it was, but I, again, I didn't think I had a problem. I was in college just having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I uh, got, uh, got a DUI, let's see, my sophomore year, um, trying to drive to Wendy's at 2 a.m. And Wendy's is not open at 2 a.m. <laughs> um, so so that, that was my first, uh, like, serious arrest. Mm-hmm. Um And then, uh, you know, but the thought like to quit never really, you know, presented itself. Hmm. Um, it was just like, you know, don't drive, which I couldn't, I'd lost my license for two years as a result of that DUI, one for being underage and then the other for refusing to take a breathalyzer. Um, I was, I knew that it was going to be so bad that I should just like, I didn't want people to know how, much I had been drinking, which was like from 2 p.m. that day to 2 a.m. And uh, so 
you know, I also, let's see. So, so three weeks after that DUI, I went to Atlanta for um, New Year's to see widespread panic. And um, the cops knocked on the hotel room door because they smelled weed. And uh, like six of us got arrested for, um, you know, not only minor in possession of alcohol, but we had possession of a lot of other things. And, um, you know, it, it was bad. Like we spent the night in Fulton County and, you know, had my roommate's father, uh, my roommate from Boulder, his father was a lawyer in Atlanta and he knew a lawyer who knew the prosecutor. So we were able to get off with what, you know, would have been felony charges for like anyone else. I mean, we, there were a lot of, um, a lot of, ecstasy in the room and other in a you know a bunch of pot and this was in the south and uh we you know just got lucky um to get that swiped clean from our records and we got off with like fines um so you know uh that was what it should have been a wake-up call but it wasn't you know right after it happened i was like um you know i'm not gonna i'm only gonna drink and smoke pot and um but that lasted like a couple, you know, I don't know, a couple weeks, maybe a month. Uh, when I got back to Boulder, um, just picked up right where I left off. And then, um, you know, so that was two thousand. That was New Year's. That was like um, exactly twenty-one years ago. In so like did two days. What had anybody started addressing you like about all this drama? Um, that, you know. Alcohol's causing just my parent, just my parents, really. Um, and because I hung around people that liked to party like I did, yeah. So, you know, when you surround yourself with people that do the exact same thing, mm -hmm. uh, you kind of shield yourself from being getting a talking to, yeah. Um, but you know, there were certainly times where I acted out. Um, you know, when I drank, I blacked out most of the time. And then I said things that I couldn't believe that I said when I, you know, once I found out or I did things that I couldn't believe I did. So, yeah, I mean, certainly I did have plenty of friends, I guess, say something like, Hey, you need to slow down, but it was never like, you need to quit or you're, you're an alcoholic. And I remember, uh, you know, one time in, in college, I was like, okay, tonight I'm just going to have two beers and like, it'll, you know, it'll be fine. Like, you know, um, I just want to see what it's like and I'll be able to talk to people and I won't be like slurring my words. And I remember having two beers and then just thinking, this is completely boring. Like I'm going home. Like I, so I tried to control it like once mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I you didn't it. enjoy it. Uh, and I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> um, I was bored. So, um, you know, I, so basically my, like from college, you know, up until my first introduction to AA, um, you know, I, I basically got progressively wor worse. I got into uh, pills like Oxycontin and was doing a lot of cocaine 
and, um, and drinking, you know, out of control, but I was able to like hold down a job, you know, once I graduated college, um, I actually, the first like real job I got, I did get fired from, or I had to resign because I refused to take a drug test. So wasn't really able to hold a job (laughs) come to think of it. Um, but yeah, so 2004, my first like real job out of college, um, I was an auditor for Dish Network and, uh, I came into work after being out at like, you know, until like 2 AM. And I remember driving down I-25, um, and like threw up out my window on the highway and then went into work and, uh, they knew something was up. (laughs) Um, and they asked me to take a drug test and I said, no, I, I had to resign. Um, so that, that was, uh, that should have been another wake up call. Um, but, uh, you know, I just kind of like brushed it off. I was able to find a job in public accounting right after that. And so I'm like, okay, like I'm on the right trajectory now. Um, let's see, fast forward a couple of years. Um, life just kind of went on, you know, I, at times I was able to not drink like Monday through Thursday, but then I would always, you know, party on the weekends. Um, and I was a pretty much a, you know, a daily pot smoker. Um, a daily pot smoker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so in 2007, this is like my first introduction to AA. Um, I was on a bender. Uh, I had been taking Xanax and, uh, um, apparently I went into work on this day and they, I was like so ghostly white that they said, you need to go home. Um, and I said, I was sick. Like I had the flu or something and I don't remember any of this. Uh, but my, my buddy called me and he was like, um, he was like, Hey, do you want to go to an AA meeting? And this is a guy that I used to party with like in college and I knew him, but he was doing 90 and 90 and he knew I had a problem. So he was like, do you want to come to an AA meeting? So I was like, sure. And, um, it was a God squad meeting at York street. Uh, I remember when you go around the room and introduce yourself, I just started sharing and they shut me up quickly. Uh, they probably knew that I was intoxicated um so I left that meeting and I ended up going to Boulder to get some pills and then as I was driving back this was like two in the morning at this point um I hit the meeting I fell asleep at the wheel hit the meeting guardrail and like my jeep flew I don't know 75 feet and like nosedived and luckily someone saw it and they phoned they called it in and I was found at the scene without a pulse and uh they were able to revive me and like did the flight for life and ended up in ICU and so I wake up and I'm in ICU and the managing partner from my uh CPA firm is in the room <laughs> and I'm just like I have no idea how I got there what the hell happened um so then I kind of knew that I was in trouble I mean it took you know basically being found without a pulse 
to kind of, you know, hit me and say, okay, I got a problem. Like I got to deal with this. So my parents flew out immediately and, um, I, you know, I was in ICU for like four days and once the, you know, once I got out, I called a, uh, a psychologist that I had seen before and told her what had happened. And she was like, I cannot help you. Like you need to go to like, you know, rehab or something. And, uh, so she recommended, I think it was Parker Valley hope. And so it was like an outpatient program. Um, so I got into it. That was, that was March 2nd of like 2007. And I started doing this intensive outpatient program. Um, it was three nights a week for three hours a night. And, uh, I got really into it and I, I was sober. I got, got on the pink cloud I went, I started going to meetings like every day and I got a sponsor and, um, you know, I felt great and I was convinced that I was never going to drink or do drugs again. Um, and then once I hit my 90 and 90, like I, I did the Parker Rally Hope for, I think it was six weeks. And then my sponsor was like, now nah, you can do the 90 and 90. So, <laughs> you know, after four and a half months of sobriety, I hit my 90 and 90. And, uh, and then I cut down to like two meetings a week cause I was busy, you know, I was studying for the CPA exam and had work and, uh, and so I cut back and then I remember, um, you know, I, I, I was had, a, I was working at, or I was auditing the school of mines in golden and I walked out of there and I could smell the brewery. And I was like, I was like, man, like this is like affecting me. And, uh, I called my sponsor and that's when he was like, you need to be going to meetings like every day. And mm -hmm. I just, I just kind of brushed it off. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I went like I was saving all this money because I was sober and I was like, well, I should take a vacation. And I, and I, so I took a trip to Hawaii, um, at like five months and 30 days. And so I was looking forward to picking up my six month trip, um, when I got there and, uh, I ended up, uh, relaxing, like within hours of getting to Hawaii. So here I was like all pumped to get my six or my six months. And I was excited to do all these activities. And, uh, I, um, you know, I remember landing and calling my buddy who's not in the program, telling him I was going to drink. And he was like, call your sponsor. <laughs> like he knew what Man, I knew, even, he even though he wasn't even he knew and I didn't and I you know I drove I drove to the condo that I was staying at and I went in the grocery store and I was like looking at you know it was in the liquor aisle and I was like oh, I shouldn't do this but I did it anyway I bought a bottle of makers and a case of beer and um you know I had that horrible feeling in my stomach like I should not be doing this um I get back to the condo and Sure enough, I drank and I drank for like a, you know, a day and a half, ended up at a bar, um, the second night of drinking and, uh, you know, found 
drugs, like I bought some cocaine and some pills that I don't even know what they were. <laughs> and then I I woke up the next day and like the cleaning lady came to the room and I was like crying and I had missed my surf lesson and I was just like, this is what happens when I drink. And I just threw away six months of sobriety and um and I called my sponsor and I started going to meetings again every day. And uh while I was in Hawaii and when I got back and that lasted for another, you know, seventy five days or something. But uh I after seventy five days I was like, you know what, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. I mean it's so easy for us to forget all the horrible things that, you know, result from drinking. And um I went to happy hour with some friends and then I drank for, you know, a couple of years. I was doing the exact same shit I always did. And uh and then it was like two thousand nine. Um I went back to meetings for a little while because you know, I got my oxycontin addiction was so bad that um I mean I was like I have to I have to quit and um, it was recommended that I go to meetings by, uh, this, um, this like dual diagnostic, uh, psychiatrist that I was seeing to try to get off pills. <laughs> and, uh, you know, life just kind of like I, to, from like late 2009 to about March of 2010, I was going to meetings on and off. I ended up getting a sponsor and like got to step four and I was meeting with him, but I just wasn't into it. <laughs> you know, it mm -hmm. just wasn't for me is what I told myself. And, uh, I think my last meeting was, you know, in March of 2010. And then, uh, after that, like in the fall of that year, I ended up getting on Suboxone, which is um, like, a, you know, it's like an antabuse for opiates. And um, so I got on that to, to, to kick the Oxycontin problem. And, um, but I like drank and, you know, smoked weed and did ecstasy and, you know, Basically, the only thing I did was quit opiates. Hmm. And uh, so that was like fall of 2010 when I got on that. Fast forward, you know, up until we'll go through like the last year of my using and drinking days. Um, I started in like in early 2016. I uh, started um, doing cocaine like every day, like while I was at work, um, throughout the day. And, uh, and I came clean to my now wife about that back in like January of, or like, or, or, I think it was like the day before my birthday, uh, which is February 2nd. So in 2016, like on February 1st, I tell her, Hey, I'm, I've been like doing cocaine, and uh, pills at work. I got a problem. And if I, you know, my thought was, if I tell her, then I will quit. Um, I deleted the guy, my dealer's number. And then like, you know, three days later I was back at it. And then I had to hide it for like the rest of the year. 
Um, I probably every Monday I said I was going to quit, I think throughout 2016. And it was either, you know, Monday morning at 10 AM or noon, or maybe I made it to Tuesday, but I always went back. Um, and then once the cycle started that week, it was always, okay, I'll quit next Monday. Um, and, uh, you know, so 2016 was pretty, you know, bad year of just living in complete fear and hiding, um, things like hiding the youth and, uh, you know, not being able to be honest with, with anyone. And, uh, you know, my friends, like my good friend was just like, you're going to ruin your career. And, you know, then what are you going to do? Um, my, my fear was always like losing my job or going to jail. Those were the things that like worried me the most. So I lived in a state of complete like paranoia throughout that entire year. And there were many times where I would buy like $300 worth of cocaine, do too much and then flush it. What I had left because I got paranoid and then go back and buy more the next day. Wow. And that was like a pretty frequent occasion. Um, that must have been expensive after a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I got a huge raise when I got sober. Um, <laughs> I, like I think, yeah, I think we all did. Yeah. Um, so... You know, my last drink was actually Christmas Eve of 2016. So my wife and I, you know, we were engaged at the time. And uh, we were back in Chicago on Christmas Eve. And I was, like, taking Danex and my family, you know, we went to church. And then we went out to dinner afterwards. And I, I'm i getting, like, drunk, like, drinking martinis and wine. And then... Uh, my buddy from college, she happened to be in town too, in this town we were in in Chicago. And so we leave dinner and I, we go to a bar like next door. Um, and I, you know, I'm drinking like scotch and, uh, I get hammered and, uh, I black out. And then on Christmas morning, I wake up and I have this like horrible feeling just, like I, you know, I, it's like when you black out and you know, you did something wrong, but you don't know what it is. So you're just like, you don't even know what to apologize for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so, you know, we opened presents and then I tell my dad, like, I need to talk to him. And, uh, so I, I told him, I was like, I need to quit drinking. And, um, he explained you know, that, yeah, he's known that for years. My brother-in-law, um, you know, he's had conversations with my dad. He's sober. And he's like, yeah, Mike, Mike's an alcoholic. And uh, so, you know, I talked to my brother-in-law that day. We went and got coffee. I was like, you know, how did you get sober? And he was like, I got into AA. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. I worked the steps. And I'm immediately, my mind is just like, no way, not doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
And then, so we go to my brother, like my brother-in-law, he's been sober. He was like sober 14 years at the time. And he's, so he's like 18 years now. And, uh, you know, we go to his parents' house and they have a huge family. And, um, his dad offers me a beer and I was like, um, you know, I trying to quit drinking. So he took me upstairs and gave me a 24 hour trip and he gave me the 24 hours a day book. And he's like, I've been sober 35 years. And he's like, you know, wow. He's Yeah. I mean, so they're a family of recovery. The one guy who didn't get the recovery the one son, he actually, um, passed away. And, uh, the rest of the sons are sober in mm. many years. Um, so, you know, I'm like, I need, like, we fly back to Denver the next day. And so I had like day one of not drinking under my belt. Well, I had taken a Xanax that day and I was, I was ready to quit, you know, everything when I got back, but I still had, I still had like cocaine and pills in the house when I got home. So I went from like that morning crying, like on the morning of the 26th, on the way to the airport, I'm crying like in, uh, you know, I'm ready to like flush everything when I get back to, you know, sometime mid flight, I'm like, well, maybe I should just do the rest of it (laughs) when I get back. And I did. And then I bought more, um, bought more cocaine. So this is like the week in between Christmas and New Year's and I'm at work and I'm doing a, you know, a ton and, but I'm not drinking and I'm, you know, I'm talking to my brother-in-law's father, telling him how great it is not to be drinking. But meanwhile, I'm doing drugs. I realized, like I called off a deal with my dealer cause I was going to get one more. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up going to a CA meeting cocaine anonymous and there was only one other guy there and we had a meeting and we talked and uh he told me to call him the next day once i got 24 hours uh i woke up um new year's day and i went to another ca meeting and that's where i met my sponsor lionel you know him Mm -hmm. and um and I thought I was just going to do CA. I mean, I'm definitely an alcoholic. I just did, you know, I did alcohol and drugs. And, uh, but I thought I was just going to do CA and, you know, meet me at the Happy Treaders meeting one day. And then I've been going, you know, pretty much ever since. Um, and, uh, you know, life has completely different and much more positive, uh, you know, ever since I finally, I, you know, I finally, I hit an emotional bottom that actually, you know, I never want to have to feel that way again. And, uh, the life I've gotten from being sober and in recovery, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so much different, but it's so much better. Like I, I was thinking about it this morning, like I'm, an honest person now where before I would have to lie and just act all the time, Mm -hmm. like act like everything was okay. Um, and 
now, you know, if something comes up, I, you know, talk to people in the program. I feel like it's, you know, I have a responsibility to, um, continue on this path. I mean, one, I, I mean, I just can't imagine at this point going back. The thought of drinking or doing drugs just seems completely absurd. And like the life that you have to like live while doing that. Like, I don't, I don't ever see myself like just having a beer, you know, the right. thought of that. It's like, it's like, if I have a beer, I'm going to get some liquor and then I'm going to find cocaine <laughs> and then I'll just be in that perpetual state. And, uh, now I, you know, I wake up early, I get stuff done. I, you know, nothing, nothing seems insurmountable at this point in my life. Mm. And, uh, you know, I have like, I owe it all to, you know, what I've learned in the program. And, you know, I think this time was different because, you know, every other time I was in AA, I always looked at how like much worse off people were than I was. And, you know, I found every difference with everyone. And, uh, this time I focused on, you know, what I had in common with everyone, which was really that, you know, I couldn't quit on my own. So I had to come to AA <laughs> and, uh, and you see all these people who have been sober for so long and they're happy and all, and a lot of these people are my friends now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been quite, quite a journey. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm grateful that I don't have to ever go back to how it was before. I mean, I would, you know, lose everything, I think, mm. even though I didn't, I didn't before I always, you know, my excuses were always like, Oh, I have a job, like have a, have a house, have a mortgage, good credit, all that stuff. I'm not as bad as those people. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I feel like I just went through all of what happened. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You covered a lot. Yeah. Um, a couple of the questions that I had, you kind of went over. Like, I was going to ask, what's different this time? Um, um, yeah, I mean, so what I what was told to me early on, which was really useful, I remember showing up to a meeting like a minute or two late, Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh this guy chad was like hey man you need to be showing up early and staying late and getting someone's phone number at every meeting and calling that person and like you need to you know and i i ended up building like a huge contact list of people from the program and how i put them in my phone is you know their first name and initial or whatever and then for their last name i just type the letter a mm -hmm. and that way they're always at the top of my phone and um and that was like really good advice and you know because your sponsor is not always going to be available and early on like you know i had crisis after crisis mainly just like with you know home life my wife my now wife and i we were planning our wedding <laughs> in early recovery and she's a lot smarter than me. So she was like, let's give it a year before <laughs> we actually get married. 
Yeah, that's a and, great uh, idea, man. I was gonna, I was gonna say. She's yeah, great. I mean, we we were we were living together and stuff, but we set okay. the date, you know, eighteen months almost mm-hmm. out. But I remember being able to call like any, you know, whenever any like small inconvenience came up, I just picked up the phone and called someone, whether it was yeah. my sponsor or like there are plenty other people on the program, mm-hmm. and I think that's extremely important for you know anyone who's new or you know even today i pick up the phone and call people it's just kind of like a habit and uh you know and this time around i just i i like getting a sponsor on day one i kind of knew after lionel shared in the meeting i was in and then he you know i had a bunch of people come up to me afterwards and i called him and I knew I wanted him to be my sponsor and he actually didn't call me back that day, but I called him the next day. <laughs> I think he was giving me a test and, uh, I asked him to be my sponsor and I, I knew I had to like, you know, get to, I had to do what everyone else told me to do, which is like get a sponsor, work the steps, mm-hmm. go to meetings. And I went to meetings pretty much daily for the first two years. And then I was going probably five days a week, mostly mm-hmm. in year three. And then COVID hit and that's when, you know, things have really changed. (laughs) Um, But I try to go when I'm downtown um, and I feel, you know, pretty strong in my um, recovery. Like, um, you know, it's important for me to keep in touch with people. Like I sponsor, um, sponsor two guys right now. I've, I think I've sponsored a total of five and like two have stayed sober. And actually I heard the other guy is still sober. He's working with someone else now. Um, but, uh, you know, I like, I gotta, I have to provide an, I have to be an example for the people I sponsor. And I think that's why one of the reasons, you know, sponsorship is so important is it definitely you know it's great it's great to help others it's yeah. like the most important thing but it also helps you nice. and um you know and and the and the thing with the meetings is i saw when people would go out like when they'd come back and they were crying and like I also knew from experience that when you go out and then you come back, it is not the same. Like you, it like the pink cloud would be gone Mm -hmm. and I'd have to really struggle. Like, you know, so I think that's, it was good that I had about a six and a half year hiatus from Mm -hmm. the rooms. So I came back and I was like a straight up newcomer, Mm -hmm. you know, no one really remembered me. I didn't, I was going to different meetings and I was like, I'm new and I'm going to take this a day at a time. And, um, Hmm. you know, it was, that was like extremely beneficial for me to have, you know, that super long break. Yeah. Now thinking back, like I had to, um, no, go ahead. You were going to say, Oh, I mean, I, I had to let things get as bad as they, did um you know before i was ready to come back and i think that's i think if you have any inkling in your mind like maybe you're not done you're probably gonna you're gonna go out like 
and um but I would also say to people who are on the fence that uh you know it's a lot better to be on the fence sober in an AA meeting than on the fence like at a bar or at your home drinking yeah for sure if you could go back and talk to day one Mike what kind of advice do you think you would give yourself um I would say that you need to, you know, work the program, not only when you're at a meeting, but like in every aspect of your life. Um, I think, you know, I think it's very easy for us to be good people when we're in meetings, but we need to take that with us, like everywhere we go. And, uh, you know, I heard that from when I was like a month and a half in, I was in San Francisco visiting my sister and I was at an, a meeting, a speaker meeting. And this guy said, you know, you got to be working the program at home. That's like the hardest place to do it. And, um, so, you know, that is, that is one thing that I would say. And also, you know, enjoy the journey. I remember being like so anxious to get the 30 days or whatever. And, uh, now, you know, now I, you know, it's like, I don't lose sleep over a milestone. I'm, I look back and I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's great that I got four, four years sober, but you know, it's, it's really just another day. I mean, it's nice to reflect back on like this time of year, I reflect back on like my last week. Mm-hmm of you know but at the same time you know that was like that's like a different person um Mm. but yeah i think you know i i wouldn't really do anything differently from because i i listened i followed instructions i did like what you're supposed to do and uh you know i didn't like complicate things And I just, I was honest with myself and I accepted the fact that I was an alcoholic and an addict. I could not drink or use safely if I was going to do, you know, I couldn't find any special combination. So I just had to like, you know, trust that, uh, the people who were sober longer than me were telling me the truth. And, uh, you know, I don't think I would really have done anything differently i don't i don't have the regrets that i used to have um you know prior to coming in thanks mike for sitting down and sharing your experience strength and hope with us i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast of the recovery edge cast uh, remember that you can find us on spotify iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you like to enjoy your podcasts. Of course, also at recoveryedgecast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.